Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. Former Cabinet Minister Shane Ross has published a new book entitled In Bed with the Blue Shirts, an account of the 2016 to mid-2020 coalition government. And Shane is on the line. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, Joe. Thanks, and thanks for having me on. You're very Great welcome. Pretty provocative title to the book, In Bed with the Blue Shirts. I'd say there are people <laughs> in Fine Gael who wouldn't even like that. I, well, I, I, I don't think they've greeted it with, uh, with too much pleasure, but... But, uh, you know, it's it's not meant to be pejorative. It's a, it's a colourful title, and it, it really tells the tale of what it's like to get into into bed with Fine Gael for four years and the experiences of it. And from the inside, I mean, what, what we're trying to say is, you know, it's kind of voice from inside the room to say, this is what these guys are like. This is how we found them. This is what the relationships are like. And how government worked during that period, because it was massively turbulent going in as an independent group uh, with, the, with, with, with Fine Gael, who obviously thought very, very differently, behaved very differently, uh, and we weren't easy either. And it really, what I'm trying to do is tell a story of the tensions in government and how we managed to survive four yeah. years, which did fairly successfully. I mean, did you not describe Enda Kenny as a political corpse? I did. And I, 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 I have since been backtracking as fast as I can from that particular remark. Uh, it was that, I did that during negotiations for the programme for government. Uh, and that was uh, 2016. And it was probably a pretty. I was. I did it in in, um, in writing in an article in the Sunday Independent. Uh, we were in the middle of negotiations, and in the middle of it, I, it occurred to me suddenly that you know that that Andrew wasn't going to survive much longer as the leader. He was. He was. He was. You know. He was politically on the way out. And I just wrote this. I wrote this place down as, as as I did in my columns. And I said, you know, suddenly in the, in the middle of negotiations, I wondered whether whether we were dealing with the political corpse. And it caused awful, awful trouble. Did it upset him, Shane? That is the point. I didn't think it would, um, to be honest, because I know him well, and I was used to the kind of cut and thrust of across the dial with him calling. I got people calling me worse than that, and I, um, I, I was really surprised. It kind of poisoned the atmosphere. He took it very, very personally, and it upset him very personally, and uh, and that did actually make the you know the relationship pretty toxic for quite a long time, and it didn't help the negotiations either. But it wasn't meant more than saying, "Hey, look, we're we dealing with a guy who's actually got the authority to deal with it," but. It was probably offensive. Yeah. So I said that was not really. Yeah. No, I mean, Shane, obviously you've been very active in the media for a long time. And, you know, there is a tendency among media people, you know, professional mm-hmm. observers of politics, to believe that they can also do it. But there have been lots of examples where it hasn't worked out. I mean, George Lee comes to mind, for example, who didn't spend very long in the door yeah. and, and is back in RTE now. Because mm-hmm. maybe we in the media think it's an easier gig than it actually is. Yes, you're being in politics. Yeah, I mean, George George came in, and, and he was actually my constituency, which has a kind of record of having people in and, and then chucking them out pretty quickly. Uh, and uh, George came in with huge ideals, fantastic ideas. I think he thought he was going to change the world in six months, which is a great thing, a great approach to, to it. And then he came in, he was in opposition. He found he had to fit into a party structure, uh, where some of them obviously didn't like him around because he was kind of parachuted in, in, in a sense. Where he couldn't change things as quickly as he as he as he thought he could, where the the wheels of government of the civil service stop you all the time. And I think he just got fed up and said, "This isn't what I got it wrong. Off we go. I'm not going to change the world in, in six months, or maybe not at all. I'm going back to what I know I'm, I'm good at." And it, it is, I, I I was kind of more experienced than that. I I I would have been in the Senate for 29 years, so I kind of knew what happened and how it 
how it operated. But of course, I'd never been in government. I was in opposition all that time. And my first Opposition as well. But, but, so did, but did you feel that your your media role meant that you weren't trusted by others in government? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely wasn't trusted uh, by others in government, and partly the media role. And you know, I was still writing for the media while I was uh, negotiating the program for government. And the fact that I was kind of I was an outsider. Uh, inside the tent, and it was a very strange way to be, and I was always an outsider inside the tent. I was never, I'm never one of the kind of, of the of, 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 of the inner circle in that cabinet at all, and certainly starting off Finian McGrath and I were, were kind of two outsiders sitting in the cabinet room, and uh, and that was a difficult situation, and, and as a result we didn't trust each other, and this didn't last for four years, at the initial stages. As a result, we didn't trust each other as groups, the group, you know, the independent alliance and Finnegal were pretty well at war every week rather than pulling in the same direction. Yeah. And I'm sure that's not the way to go into government. And that was the mindset. Right. And we're chatting to former Cabinet Minister Shane Ross. Uh, his new book is entitled In Bed with the Blue Shirts. Now, as a senior minister, uh, your Minister of State uh, representing Limerick and still representing Limerick as a Minister of State is Patrick O'Donovan. Were you very yeah. unfair to him? Did you treat him very badly? Well, I didn't think so. Um, there was... There's certainly a row, and I, and I deal with it in the book. Um, there were certainly difficulties uh, in the initial stages where I think he felt that he wasn't given as much authority as, say, Michael Ring had been given his, his equivalent uh, by Pastor Dunne, who my predecessor. And I think he felt that, you know, that uh, maybe I was, I, was, I was taking a lot of the, the best gigs from him, etc. Was he right? Ah, I suppose, you know... I, I tried to share them. I mean, he may have been right. I'm, I'm not sure in, in, in that sense. But you know, we had we had a lot of difficulties in that. In, in that, he, 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 I thought he was probably set, sent in there to, to keep an eye to keep an eye on me by uh, and uh, and and I think he felt that he was going to have a completely free hand on tourism and sport, uh, which obviously wasn't wasn't the case. He can't do that, and he did have. He did have exactly the same arrangement, formal arrangement, with me as 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 Pascal had had with Michael Ring. That was actually there's a written document there. It's called the yeah, shared, yeah. But you and I document. both know that you know, a contract mm-hmm. is only needed when the relationship isn't right. And isn't it the yeah. case that Taoiseach Enda Kenny pulled you up and basically said you've got to sort this out? Well, it didn't quite happen like that. Actually, what, what happened? What happened was that there was there was a lot of a lot of tension. Uh, particularly over in making announcements, you know, without consulting me, or without consulting the T-shirt, uh, from time to time, and particularly on gender quotas and things like that. Uh, and well, I had, was that because uh, he was worried that you were going to pull the rug from under him? Well, th- there was no rug to pull. He was announcing policies without, without discussing them with me at one stage, which was very, very difficult. Uh, and I don't blame him. I think that was part of the frustration that, that it was taking, it was taking, uh, you know, the the... the that I wasn't giving him a complete free hand on policy. Nor should he have. I mean, that's senior minister's role. But he was what he was doing, and he was doing really well. Was he was doing the sport, and he was doing uh, tourism, and he was doing those things very well and very effectively. When it when it was policy, I think he felt frustrated because I think he felt he was going to have a a larger role in it. And yeah. it was, after all, it, after all, it's the senior cabinet. But but, but the, the Taoiseach did, did ask you to to work it out, didn't he? Oh, he did. Oh, no, no. He 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 sent me. He sent me several texts which are in which are in the book, saying, "Look, he said Patrick is pissed off. That's the expression he used. Uh, that he doesn't think he doesn't think you're uh, giving him his head enough, uh, and uh, 
and would you be able to sort it out? And he called us in, actually. He called, he called us in, and he and it's all documented in there. And, and, he and, said, and, and did, it, did the situation resolve itself? Not really. I understand there, there was a lunch maybe afterwards when, when, when you guys had moved on into different roles. Yeah, when Patrick, Patrick Denver, when, 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 when Leo came in, he thought that the arrangement between me and Patrick wasn't working very well. And uh, which was did, did, didn't, didn't take and the most astute him. political mind to figure that out. No shame, with all due respect. <laughs> well, I'm being diplomatic. <laughs> I mean, I like him, and I, I don't want to say anything that would indicate that I dislike him. We just didn't gel off as, as, yeah. as colleagues, really. Yeah. And 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 he moved him, and he moved him up to. Um, the yeah, that's right, and he's and, and he's minister of state there uh, to to this day. And yeah. I, one of the things that I, I want to ask you, I think the listeners will be fascinated by, is and it's mm-hmm. very recent history. You obviously were a, a minister at the beginning of this pandemic. I mean, what was that like to be in cabinet? Was there a lot of tension? Absolutely, it was extraordinary, and it, it, it that's in the chapter at the end, the last chapter, because kind of all the all the rules were not broken, but all the conventions changed too. Your cabinet meetings were held sometimes in three rooms. A lot of it was done on on on, on video, you know, it's on Zoom uh, by various people staying at home. The, there were a lot of incorporeals, which is which you know, democracy was kind of bypassed for for, 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 for several weeks. Uh, a lot of incorporeals, which are cabinet meetings, which are decided, which were decisions are made by by a civil servant just ringing up and saying you're happy with this, that, and the other. You're not around a Zoom at all. And they're just done, you know, the, the, the decisions are made in 50 minutes with, without any discussion with the minister. Uh, you get a briefing document. There, are a lot, there, are a lot of, there were a lot of uh, subcommittees of the cabinet where you had uh, Tony Holohan and, uh, and other people from the HSE in there with powerful civil servants playing a completely different and new role. Uh, and so it was, it was electric. But, of course, it was, it was an emergency and it was an interim government. I mean, I'd lost my seat and I was still a minister, so uh, Regina Doherty and so Catherine Zappone, with an interim government without a mandate, taking yeah. incredibly big decisions. And, I mean, I very mean, odd situation for you to have actually lost your seat and you're still in there, as you say, making these huge decisions because that's the way it works. Weird. And, and on top of that, you're, you're called into the Doyle, which is right. I mean, I was, in the, I was, not, I was not a member of the Doyle and I was called into the Doyle uh, to answer questions as a minister, which is absolutely correct. But very, very strange. And the Doyle wasn't functioning properly because, we, first of all, all cabinet meetings and all Doyle um, sessions were very limited in time because of the restrictions. You had you couldn't stay in one room for very, very long, long time because of, because of the, the COVID restrictions. And on, on on top of that, there were only you were only allowed. I, I can't remember the numbers. Very few people are only allowed in the Doyle at the time. So there's no real kind of atmosphere yeah. in there. There's but, no but pressure I, on them. I think a key question for people listening because it comes up on this show all the time, and you know it's very much been in the public domain in recent months. And that is what's the balance between the National Public Health Emergency Team and the cabinet and the government in advising and deciding. But was that tension there behind the scenes in the cabinet right back at the start? It was, yeah, it was in the cabinet room. I mean, and, and I do describe it and I identify the people who were on one side and the other and what they said, even. Uh, although I'm getting in trouble for doing that now. But, 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 um, but, but that's, that's, that's in the book. And, it, and, and it, it was all the time there was deep resentment from some people that the great power that the both the civil servants and particularly the Nefit people obviously held, and obviously it's still going on. Do we, do they take their word and just go with Nefit, or do they, or do they, uh, or do they actually take decisions with with what's a, what what they think is a, a kind of wider mandate, and that's still there, and they were kind of hawks and doves on that as well. Now the, the the majority of people, but not all, 
nearly always at the when the chips were down went with nothing because there are human lives at stake yeah. there. But there are but there are obviously other 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 issues at stake. But the civil servants, the ordinary civil servants, like uh, Martin Fraser, who's secretary of the cabinet, uh, Robert Watt, who's secretary of the Department of Finance, had a huge role during this period because it was the subcommittees of the cabinet which considered the measures first, and then they went to the full cabinet, right? Uh, and the subcommittee, and then they went to the full cabinet, which in many cases just a rubber stamp, right? Um, would you do it all again? I mean, overall, was it an experience that you'll chalk down as a good one? It was a fantastic experience. I mean, it shouldn't be regarded as something, you know, which is kind of, high. is it, is it, is it good, does it look good on your CV? Uh, you kind of have to say, did you, did you do a good job and was, did it work out? Uh, there was a lot of, I mean, it's really stressful and all that. It's, it's, it's hugely 24-7 all the time. Uh, and so that's that's something which is you can't keep up forever. You do it for four years; it's absolutely fine. But in terms of personal experience, yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's a great privilege to be able to be in there, and it's a huge. I mean, it's a cliche, but it's a massive responsibility. Look at look at look at what happened in Shannon. You know, I mean, I was, you know, I was very involved in in, in that for a while. And it's there are people's lives and jobs at stake there at the moment. I mean, today and yesterday, and I. And I feel for the ministers in charge when you hear that Ryanair is pulling out and you feel for the people down there. Yeah. And you wonder what um, you can do and, about it. So it's, it's, it's difficult. And one other thing that, you know, was always um, pointed at you was that you did not get, you did not understand and you did not care about rural Ireland. Well, that's just not fair. But I, I, you're absolutely right. I used to get, it was mostly based on the uh, drink driving bill, Right. That, uh, because I introduced the bill on drink driving to, to change the penalties there, and it caused absolute turmoil. And a large number of people, of, of the political parties really were all against it, actually. But I brought it in, and it, it got a, it, it got a narrative, narrative going. And some of it, a lot of it was in Gale, by the way, and my colleagues in government, they were briefing against me on this all the time. But they, they were saying, this guy doesn't understand rural Ireland. That particular issue was seen as an anti-rural Ireland move. That particular issue, and if, if there are others, please come at me with them, that's fine. But that particular issue was about saving lives. It was simply about that. I saw this thing. There was a big lobby uh, saying drink driving was doing damage. And it, there has been a resurrection in drink driving. It's really unfortunate. It's true. And it was saying it was it costing lives, more lives in rural Ireland than actually in urban Ireland. And that's, that's the case yeah, still. That drink was driving. Yeah. But there was a huge drink lobby came in against this lobby of the PDs. Buster, and then this narrative came in that I'm okay, well, look, I mean, we're not, we're, we debated an awful lot in this show I can tell you so we, we won't go back into all of that again but anyway it's a fascinating read thank you very much for joining us this morning former cabinet minister Shane Ross his book uh, is available now in bed with the blue shirts call Limerick today now on 461995